Steinways are often referred to as the Rolls-Royce of pianos. The company has a more than 150-year-old history that began on Varick Street in Manhattan's West Village. Steinway & Sons was founded by a German immigrant in 1853, Heinrich Engelhard Steinweg. We'll learn why Steinweg became Steinway in a moment. Hi, I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. Today, Steinway & Sons has two factories, one in Hamburg, Germany, and the other in Queens, here in New York. Anthony Gilroy is the Senior Director of Marketing and Communication for Steinway & Sons in the Americas. I talked with him about the history of the company and what makes Steinway Pianos unique. Now, Steinway & Sons in the Americas, you also have an operation in Germany, right? Correct. So our, our two factories are New York, where we are today, and Hamburg, Germany. We produce all of the pianos here for this hemisphere, and they produce the pianos in Hamburg for Europe, the Middle East, Asia, and Africa. Um, there's some small overlap, but for the most part, those are our, our kind of territories. Now, it actually all started in Germany, right? Uh, well, yes. Steinway & Sons itself was founded in New York City, so we are an American-founded company. But our, our founder, uh, his name was Heinrich Steinweg, and he emigrated to America in around 1850 with his family. And his family were adults for the most part at that point. So he was in his 50s. Uh, he never learned English, but he did anglicize his name. So he went from Heinrich Steinweg to Henry E. Steinway, and that's the name that you see and, and that's kind of uh, become very famous over the years. Now, was he making pianos before he came to America? He was, and we've a we actually um, – there's one that's uh, – it's supposed to be the very first one. Um, we're not 100% sure, but uh, it's called the kitchen piano because it was, uh, the, as the story goes, in Germany, they're uh, very much into rules and regulations. And he was a cabinet maker by trade. So he had a workshop, but his workshop was for making cabinets and things like that. And on the side, he had actually made different types of musical instruments for many years. And then uh, at one point he made this piano and it was called the kitchen piano because the story goes he made it in his kitchen for his wife. So he made that piano in the kitchen so because he couldn't make it in his cabinet factory or his cabinet workshop. Um, and then eventually he was granted the paperwork to start building pianos. And he built uh, quite a number of them over there. So there are Steinway piano. They're not Steinway, they're Steinweg pianos. Um, and they would have said, um, you know, Heinrich Steinweg instrument maker, they would have said on them. And when they came here in 1850, they first branched out and worked for other piano companies because uh, they didn't need to learn English. The sons had all gone to very good schools in Germany uh, because uh, Heinrich was a successful, he was successful at what he did. They um, were fairly well off. So they didn't need to learn English. They obviously didn't need to learn how to make pianos because they had those skills already from Europe. But what they really kind of wanted to do was learn how to do business in this new world. So they branched out, uh, you know, kind of uh, studied what the other companies were doing for three years. And then in 1853, they came together and in a, a loft on Varick Street, they started uh, Steinway & Sons. And that's the company we are today. So it started in Manhattan. Correct. Correct. How long has the company been in Queens now manufacturing? So the land that we're still currently on was purchased in the late 1860s, and uh, they started building here early 1870s. So by um, probably 1872 or 1873, there, there was some fairly serious production happening here. 
Uh, initially, uh, we purchased over 400 acres in Astoria. So it was a huge swath of land uh, and included LaGuardia Airport all the way down to Ditmars Boulevard. Actually, our two factories, the one we're at today was called the Rikers Factory because we were on Rikers Avenue, and that was a famous family um, from the area and the avenue named after that family. The other factory was called the Ditmars Factory. Essentially, since 1955, this is our only factory in the Americas. So the piano, um, if you have a Steinway that's from 1955 or later, it would have been started and finished in this same complex. If it was earlier, it would have began its process here and ended up probably at Ditmars for completion. In addition to the factory, New York City is also home to Steinway Hall. What is the history there and what's its purpose today? Sure. So we're actually on our third Steinway Hall. So we've had a few of them. Uh, The first one was, uh, and the name has stuck, even though the last two were not um, what you think of when you think of a large concert hall. The first one was a large concert hall, um, and it was actually the home for the New York Philharmonic for quite a while. Um, And that one was built in uh, 1866, Um, and it served us for a a number of years. Uh, It was a concert hall, and the Steinways were very smart in that they, um, you know, they were good at building pianos, but they were also very good marketers. They they built their retail showroom, and you actually had to walk through the retail showroom to get into the concert hall. So it was a smart move by them because you would then go and see one of the great artists of the day, one of the great pianists. They would bring them over from Europe, playing on a a perfectly prepared Steinway, and then on your way out, you'd be passing Steinways, and there would be, I'm sure, sales representatives there willing to to talk to you about those pianos and sell one to you. So um, they were smart marketers as well. So today, is that the showroom for Steinway pianos if you want to buy a Steinway? Correct. So that, that's um, so Steinway Hall has really since that time been our, what we consider like our flagship retail store. Um, and our distribution today, we have many, many independent Steinway dealers. And we have exclusive territories. So if you're going to buy a piano in Philadelphia, you go to Jacobs Music and they represent Steinway. If you're going to Boston, you go to M. Steiner and Sons, they represent Steinway there. But Steinway Hall... Hall is owned by the company. So that's one of our, our retail footprint. And we now have uh, retail showrooms in many major markets around the world. Uh, but that was our first. And with the, the first Steinway Hall, which, as I mentioned, was a concert hall, eventually Carnegie Hall kind of became the place to go in terms of performances and a large concert hall. And the Steinways were also smart enough to say, well, if you can't beat them, join them. You know, performance halls isn't our claim to fame. Our claim to fame is pianos, and we built this performance hall just to make sure that we could get our pianos exposed to people. Well, we can still do that through Carnegie Hall, and that's why in 1925 they opened the second Steinway Hall, which was not, not by coincidence, directly across the street from Carnegie Hall. So there they were on 57th Street, and we were there until 2014. So we were there for about 90 years uh, in that space. Um, and now we are over by Bryant Park. We're on 43rd and 6th Avenue, uh, right diagonally across from Bryant Park. And it's kind of a, a Steinway Hall for, the, for hopefully the next century or for the next uh, long time. It's much more modern in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we miss a lot of the history and nostalgia of the old place, but we also realize we need to make new history and, and kind of move forward. Uh, and a lot of what you see at the new Steinway Hall represents that. It has a state-of-the-art state recording area. We record all of our 
music for Spirio. So we have a high-definition player piano now, and we record that there. So there's a lot of musical activity, um, just as there would have been at the old Steinway Hall in the 1920s and the 1930s with the great musicians of the day then. We now have the great musicians of today descending on our current Steinway Hall to record and make music. Yeah, talk to us a bit more about Spirio. Was this the first time that Steinway sort of stepped into the future, if you will? I mean, in, to this degree, yes. You know, um, Steinway has, I think, has always been a very forward-looking company. Um, going back to um, Steinway worked in the, in the 1800s with acoustic scientists back when this was very cutting-edge science. So I think Steinway has always been forward-looking, and people sometimes see the handcrafting, and they think it's all old-school, which there's elements of the production that are old-school. Um, but there's also, if you walk through our factory, there's high-tech machinery, there's, there's laser measuring devices, there's, um, we've incorporated technology every step of the way. I think the mantra with Steinway has always been, you incorporate technology if it can make the piano better. And with player pianos, we're actually quite late to the game in the world of player pianos, but it's also the fact that you, when you put a player piano on a Steinway, you want that system to rep- be Steinway caliber. You want it to be playing music that sounds like it belongs on a Steinway, and older systems were clunky, um, not very easy to operate. Um, they could have issues. They could decrease the value of the piano, especially if they were uh, installed after the manufacturing process. So we waited to get all of our ducks in a row. We acquired the best te- technology we felt on the market. We then had to incorporate that into the, p- the piano and the production process in the factory so that this is installed seamlessly as part of the process. And then we also had to develop the app that controls it from the ground up, and it's done through an iPad, which is much better than a proprietary system or electronics, which can age out and have problems. So it's an iPad, and when there's the next generation iPad, the Spiro app will work fine on that. And then the probably the most work has gone into creating the music library because one thing with Spirio is there's an enormous amount of music out there that's in low resolution. But the idea with Spirio is that it's a high-resolution player piano system. So we record it at high resolution in our own studios, and the only music that's on there is rec- it's all of our own stuff. So everything that's on Spirio, it's, we recorded it, and there's... There's uh, hundreds and hundreds of hours of music, and we add you know, three or four hours of music every month, and the Spirio owners get that for free. So they get free music for the lifetime of owning that Spirio. Who are among the notable players featured on Spirio? Uh, so there's uh, many, many great pianists. Uh, so classical, you know, we have Yu Wang, we have Lang Lang. There's jazz artists like uh, Jason Moran, um, David Benoit. There's pop artists, really every genre of music. And then, of course, there's, there's popular music, um, such like Billy Joel. We, we don't have Billy Joel come and sit down and record, but we have his actual, someone that, that works with Billy Joel, come and record um, the songs that he plays with Billy Joel in concert. Billy Joel is actually honored at Steinway Hall, right? He yes, he has something was. there to commemorate his music. Yes, so we had a portrait painted of him. It was painted by an artist by the name of Paul Wise, who's actually a pianist, Steinway artist, and also a fantastic 
portrait artist, and he recently also did uh, painted a piano for us called Pictures at an Ex- Exhibition, which you could probably do a, a podcast on on just that piano. It's it's so amazing. But it was probably the most attended in terms of press event I've been a part of at Steinway because Billy Joel was there, and and at the time it was before he had started his. Um, monthly residency, and he'd kind of been out of the public eye a little bit for um, you know a couple of years. So he came out, and and it seemed like everybody in New York um, in the press was there. It was uh, banks of photographers and videographers. So when the piano man is on stage at MSG doing his thing, he's playing a Steinway. Correct. And actually, one of his um, one of his classical pieces that he wrote is it has Steinway Hall in the title because. Uh, as the story goes, and, and I'm recounting what he said, he was in a taxi cab somewhere in Manhattan. This was probably 20 years ago or, or around that time. And and he had started writing this piece, and it came to him while he was in the cab. And he was in Midtown, so he said, take me to Steinway Hall. And they took him there, and he came in, and he said, can can you bring me to a Steinway quick? You know, I have it in my head before I forget it. And they, they brought him to the piano, and he played it out and you know I guess uh, you know wrote down what he was playing and so he said okay well I have to give Steinway Hall a mention in the title of this piece because it was it was uh, at Steinway Hall where where I kind of came together so what would you say makes a Steinway a Steinway why is it unique as an instrument you know I, I think the, the best to ask would be musicians but for, from what I've heard um, from musicians you know they usually say that it's across the whole scale. So, you know, some pianos sound great in the bass, some are sound really nice in the treble. Across the whole scale, it kind of just gives you a great color palette to work with, you know, and, and that's great for every type of music because there's really not a type of music where you're like, okay, less of a color palette is good. You know, we, you want to express yourself in as many colors as possible. And um, I think from a musician's perspective, that's kind of the most common theme I've heard. Um, in seeing them, how they're made, I can say that it's, it's, it goes in the details, the construction, the fact that it's an 11-month process. It's never rushed. Um, we have 250 union employees at this location to make essentially five pianos per day. You know, so you can, you can get the amount of time that's going into each piano. And there's hundreds of pianos that you see when you walk through this factory, but they're all at different points in that 11-month kind of saga of becoming a Steinway. So we're starting about five each day and completing about five each day, and, and that's about it. So 11 months to make one piano. Correct, and, that, and that's for the larger grands. The smaller grands are still nine to ten months, so I, say, I always say even a, a baby grand takes longer to create than a human baby. Now you have the grand piano, you have the baby grand, you also have an upright. How many different types of pianos are there? We have a couple of uprights. We don't make a lot of uprights. We make a small number of them. Um, we're mostly a grands-focused company in terms of the Steinway brand. So we have uh, six sizes from smallest to largest. It's S, M, O, A, B, and D. So the D is the concert grand that you'd find on stage at Carnegie Hall or, or somewhere like that. And uh, the Model B is what we sell the most of. That's about two feet shorter than the Concert Grand, so it's um, roughly, they're close to nine feet for the the Concert Grand, the Model D, and about seven feet for the the Model B. The Model B is our most popular piano because the Model D is really, it has that extra length because you want it to be heard over a symphony orchestra on a stage and, you know, not, not need to be mic'd up. 
and the Steinways were, you know, instrumental, uh, bad pun intended, um, in, in kind of creating a piano that could be heard over the symphony orchestra. And it was developments, inventions from the Steinways, things like the single piece bent rim, the perfecting, not inventing, but perfecting the cast iron plate, inventing overstringing that you see on all pianos today. These are things that are kind of called the Steinway system, invented by Steinway that pretty much you'll find them in every piano today, um, not to the same, we think, the same level of quality and implementation, but these are very fundamental things that the Steinways introduced to the piano world so that this piano could be heard over a symphony orchestra back when there's no such thing as electricity and microphones and, and, you know, you can't just up the volume. You had to figure out how to do it mechanically. But going back to the Model B, that is like a Model D, but two feet smaller. So you don't need to be heard over the symphony orchestra with that. Um, That's why you find it in the homes of many professional musicians, uh, teaching studios, music teachers will often have Model Bs, uh, very good pianos, and we sell more of those than any other model. Now, is it true that there aren't any Steinway pianos that sound the same? They all sound different, even though they might be the same type of piano that is manufactured. Right. There, there is, um, because these are handcrafted, and um, during this 11-month process, you know, first of all, wood is, one tree is not the same as the next tree. You know, there's variances in in density and in, in, in uh, you know different different things that you find in the wood, but then we have people that are handcrafting these. We have a belly department where there's six or seven different belly men. Each person is installing a soundboard on a piano. Each of them is hand notching the bridge on that soundboard and making adjustments and doing things. And then that's just one part of the process. So you have. 250 people, and you have different sets of hands working on different pianos. They're all artisans in their own right, um, like a pianist, and like how each pianist is a little different from the next. These artisans also do things slightly different, and they bring a little bit of their own essence to the piano. So I think it's a combination of these factors, just the fact that it's made of wood and there's variance, but also because um, especially the musical parts and the belly, it's it's not stamped out. It's not um, a consistent type process where you have something, um, you know, cutting something over and over and doing things identically. And because of that, you get, um, you know, what we feel is a beautiful variation of tone. And uh, this is the reason why we have selection rooms. We have a, a Model D selection room here. We have a Model B selection room here. And when people are choosing an instrument, uh, they're going to go there and they're going to select it based on a number of factors. Sometimes it's if they're purchasing it for themselves, it's personal taste and the type of sound they like. But often we have pianos being selected for uh, concert halls. So in that case, a lot of times the concert hall will find a Steinway artist they've had perform there. You know, we've had uh, artists like Emmanuel Axe and others come here um, selecting a piano not for themselves, but, but on behalf of, of a concert hall because. Why? Because they've played in that concert hall. They know the sound. So we know they're a great pianist. They understand music and, and tone and sound, but they also understand the venue where it's going, and that's important, too, in making a decision. What fascinates you most about the history of Steinway? Ooh, there's, there's so many things. Um, I, I think it's just that um, it's so intertwined with American history, and in particular New York history. You know, it's it's um, one cool thing is um, one of the sons of, of Henry E. Steinway and, and actually our first president, William Steinway, uh, he kept a diary 
uh, every day for, for decades. And that diary is, is in the Smithsonian. And actually, if you Google William Steinway Diaries, you'll find it. Uh, they've transcribed it. So you can type in a date. You know, it gives you the date range. You can type in a date in like a three-decade span, and you'll find out what he was doing on that day. And it was usually, you know, had lunch with one of the Rockefellers, did this. He was very involved in the government. Uh, Steinway was a very, you know, we're, we're obviously a great name today and well-known, but we're a small business. We're a niche product. Um, back then, it was very mainstream, you know, because there was, there was no Apple. There was no television. There was no, you know, there was um, your entertainment was your piano in your home. So the Steinways were kind of celebrities um, and a really big deal. And you can see that when you look at his diaries. It's, it's, um, and that's why today the, the 7 train, the tunnel that goes from Manhattan to Queens, is called the Steinway Tunnel because William Steinway was instrumental in getting the subway out to Queens. He had some personal reasons for that, obviously. He had a factory out here. You know, he wanted to make, but, but he was very involved in that. He didn't get to see that um, dream fulfilled, but he helped lay the groundwork for the subway coming out to Queens and, and many other things. He was involved in a lot of New York politics and a lot of ventures kind of outside of, of the piano world. Now, I understand that early Steinway piano, the kitchen piano, is actually on display in a museum. Yes, yeah, that, that's in a museum. And, and also, uh, we, we have a very early Steinway piano here, but it's actually a Steinway and Sons piano. Uh, serial number is in the low 1000s. And we actually started with serial number 483. So Steinway and Sons, again, they were smart marketers. So first of all, if you're starting a new company, you're not going to start with serial number one because who wants number one of any company? You know, like what, what kind of problems is that going to have? So I think part of it was just being smart marketers. But uh, they had made pianos over in Germany. So I think, and they were very good at keeping track of things. We have a serial number, we have serial number log books where we have every serial number Steinway we've ever created created and and the date it was created where it was shipped to so they were very good at keeping track of things so i think it's quite plausible that they built about 482 pianos while they were in germany and they said okay well we're we're starting with 483 we've been doing this for a while what's the price range of a steinway so our model s is about seventy five thousand dollars and then it goes up the model b which we sell the most of is around i believe one hundred and seven thousand dollars uh, the Model D is about 175000 uh, And those are for standard ebony. Um, we have exotic finishes, exotic wood finishes that raise the price. Spirio will increase the price. So um, a Spirio Model B is, you know, up around 130000 But again, you, you only pay once for that. You're not paying for the music. So that's, that's a nice benefit. Uh, yeah, so they're not, they're not cheap. Uh, but the other thing is they, we say that they're, the least expensive piano to own over time because if someone buys a mass-produced piano, they tend to last a couple of decades, and then they, um, their value eventually goes down to zero, and then you're bringing them to the landfill, so maybe their value is negative $500 or whatever you have to pay. With a Steinway, if they're well taken care of, they last not just for a couple of decades, they last for many decades and sometimes a century. Um, and over that the course of that time, someone may have had multiple mass-produced pianos and keep cycling through buying a new one, and of course they get expensive, more expensive every time you buy them. So that's kind of why we say if, if you, it's a big investment, 
but if you own it for a long time, it will, it will hold its value if you take care of it, and it will continue to produce great music for many years. They do, they do last for a long time, and uh, they endure. But not only do they endure, but they, they stay you know, musically, they, they produce great music for many decades as well. So as you were saying earlier, there is a lot of competition today for entertainment in one's home. Uh, obviously, televisions, computers, lots of other types of electronics. How has that impacted Steinway over the years? You know, it's, it's kind of every new wave. There, there's been many times where people have said, the piano's dead. You know, this is it. This is it. You know, um, and starting with the phonograph and radio and television and and each wave and you know has made an impact for sure there used to be dozens and dozens of piano manufacturers in the americas and even in just in new york there was dozens in just new york alone um, you know, the, that's why these, the Steinways, when they came here, they all went to different manufacturers. There was so many different manufacturers of piano. I think one of the, the good things for Steinway was that um, by setting themselves apart and kind of being looked at as the top of the pyramid, when these things came along, one by one, they kind of picked off some of the, you know, the bottom of the pyramid kind of started eroding and, and different pieces, but the top is still there. And I think they'll, there will always be... Uh, a need for uh, digital is never a replacement for live acoustic handcrafted you know you still it's still people that want handcrafted guitars you know handcrafted instruments acoustic sound very important of course it's important to much less of the population than it used to be where they used to be in every home now they're in certain homes uh, with something like Spirio that's our effort to um, be able to sell Steinways to someone who could perhaps afford a Steinway, but wasn't a player or a great player. You know, perhaps they, they played a little bit and they hadn't, you know, out of practice. And they said, well, I could afford a Steinway, but I can't really justify that purchase because I'm, I know I'm not going to play it. and It's going to sit there and collect dust. Well, with Spirio, now we can market to those people and we could say, well, you don't have to be a great player because Yu Wang is a great player and you can just hit play and watch and listen, you know, and then, then they get it. So it's, it's trying to introduce Steinway to some of these new customers, expand our business. Uh, we don't have to make a huge number of these to, to continue. We need to make, you know, uh, 1,500 a year. We'll be very happy if we can do ra- around that many. Um, you know, five, six, seven pianos a day, very happy that we can, we can continue operating like that. So I think there'll always be enough of a need from professional musicians schools of music, music teachers, um, this kind of a niche audience, but there's enough of them out there to continue buying Steinways from us. And if we can expand that audience a little to those Spirio customers, people that love, um, you know, love music, they love culture, but they're, and they can afford a Steinway, but they hadn't thought about it until they saw Spirio. That's a big, a big bonus for us. Well, there's no question Steinway is synonymous with piano. You say Steinway, people know right away what you're talking about. They're not saying, what is that? What's a Steinway? Right, right. It it really is. um, It is a great brand, great, great brand equity, you know, and I think that goes to doing, even though we are, like you, like we were saying, we're such a, we're really a small business and a niche business, but in terms of a name, it's a very big name. There's people that that know that name all over the world, whether they're a pianist or not, and and they generally will associate it with quality. You know, there's many people I meet that have never picked up a musical instrument in their life, and they say, oh, yeah, Steinway, I know Steinway, yeah, they built good pianos, you know, and when you hear that, it makes you, makes you happy as, as a marketing person. 
You referred to the Steinway artists. Do you track Steinway players? We have a, a program. We have over 1,800. It's probably close to 2,000 Steinway artists around the world now. And it's, it's unique in that it's not a paid endorsement. Um, it really is a partnership. And, and piano is uh, a very different instrument than many others because if you're a great violinist, you bring your violin with you wherever you go. You know that you know that instrument like the back of your hand. You're confident in its abilities, and you're not afraid when you go on stage and you play with it because you've you've practiced on that exact on that exact violin and you know it very well. With piano, you're going into a new location, and you're meeting a piano possibly for the first time, and you might not like what you meet, <laughs> you know. And when that is the case, um, you know it's. What being a Steinway artist does is it, it provides um, kind of uh, will work overtime to make sure we can get a piano for that location. Um, and someone is paying for that cartage of that piano, so we can't afford to pay, cover cartage and things like that for all of these placements. But for those artists that are Steinway artists, it's really a partnership for them. It's, it's nice to have Steinway artists in front of your name, but I think for them it's really about the music and ensuring that when they go and play somewhere, um, if there's a piano there, and it could be a Steinway that hasn't been treated well for a long time and it's just not sounding good, they know that they can reach out, the local Steinway de- dealer will get involved, will get a piano there, and they can give their performance knowing that they're, you know, if they don't give a good performance, they can blame their, themselves and, and not the piano that was on the stage. And I think that's very important to musicians. You do offer tours of the factory, right? Public tours? We do. So we have, uh, we have public tours, and you can, you can register online for them. And um, if you just Google uh, Steinway Factory Tour, you'll find the page. Uh, we offer them not in the summer months, so July and August there's no tours, but we have them from September through June, and they're, they're every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 930 they do fill up, um, you know, usually a few months in advance, but I think there's probably some dates in, you know, late fall into the winter um, that are available still. Anthony, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. Anthony Gilroy is the Senior Director of Marketing and Communication for Steinway & Sons in the Americas. You can learn more about the famed piano maker at steinway.com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Bolarki. My thanks to producer Matty Bristow. The music for this episode of Cityscape is courtesy of Pottington Bear. Thanks so much for listening.